0: This is recording number 11003, from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, August 5, 2012. This is the 11th message in a study of the Bible's book of Hebrews. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Way of Love. Hebrews chapter 13, let's turn there. And that's going to bring us today to the conclusion of our study of this book of Hebrews. And um, we have been looking at what uh, Hebrews chapter 10 describes as the theme of this book. That Jesus has become for us the new and living way to relationship with. With God, and the the whole of the book discovers facet of uh, uh, many facets of what that means. So we've been looking at the the sparkling gem of this truth that Jesus is the new and living way, from uh, different angles and and uh, um, and uh, observing the facets of this grace. And today we're going to close out by. By talking about the the uh, this new and living way as the way of love, the way of love, and we'll be looking at the first six verses of chapter thirteen. Verse one, Hebrews chapter thirteen, let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Now, I think that's a pretty fair, I mean, it's a pretty, uh, on the face of it, benign uh, command. We'd all want that. We all, you know, would acknowledge that that would be a good thing. Let brotherly love continue. But as I read that in preparation for this teaching, I read that sentence. It arrested me, captured me, um, for some reasons that I'll explain in a minute. And I want to ask you to consider um, what's being, what we're being called to here in this sentence with fresh understanding, fresh eyes. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to uh, enable us to see this in a fresh way. Let brotherly love continue. Now, there's a lot of ways that the love that we share with one another can kind of stop or at least be, you know, slowed down. Um, You know, like it or not, a lot of us have a way of approaching brotherly love that kind of goes like this. I love you, man. (laughs) If, (laughs) or as long as, or until... We tend to, if, we, if we're not honest with ourselves about it, that's really not the point. The point is how practically it gets, worth, it gets worked out. I love you, man, until you, you wrong me. Until you don't follow through. Until you forget to return my, my lawnmower one more time, you know. <laughs> I'm teasing a little bit there can be certainly a lot of things that are much um, you know much more uh, uh, Devastating to a relationship or can be or seem to be on the surface than what I've just described But the point is isn't it true that a lot of times even though We want to be people who are continuing in brotherly love it gets tough there are times when it gets tough and so as the writer of the book of Hebrews is closing out his book and talking to us about the new and living way that Christ has opened up for us, he wants to finish off by saying there is a different kind of love. There's one that doesn't run out of steam. There isn't, there's one that you can tap into that doesn't quit. That doesn't get sidetracked or derailed a kind of love that you can experience and share with one another that is more than what you've known and he's going to be introducing us to the kind of love that God has this word here for brotherly love is the word Philadelphia it comes from the Greek word phileo I mean it's a derivative or a a form of the Greek word phileo which uh, describes the highest kind of love that humans can have for one another. And he says, let that love continue. But I want to turn, have you turn with me in your Bible, now that you have Hebrews chapter 13 open, stick something there because we're coming back to it, but a few pages to the south. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Here, it says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love of the brethren. That's the same word, phileo, Philadelphia. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. I've got to say, when I first um, you know this happened some years back when I first pondered this verse in a more you know sustained fashion and I'd, I'd read it many times but when I just ho- hovered over it and considered it I thought wow that's kind of odd because he's praising them for the kind of love that they have for one another and he even says You've been purifying your souls through this love and then he says so, since you're so good at loving one another, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And it seems just odd. It seems like double talk in a way. Until you dig into the original language, and I never look. I try not to be somebody who who comes off as though I'm, I'm some sort of Bible languages scholar because I am not, not by any long shot. But I am. I, I know that there's value in kind of digging a little deeper, and this is one of those cases. Because the two words here that are translated into the English word love. Brotherly love. And then he says love one another fervently with a pure heart. They are two different words. The first one as I've said is phileo or Philadelphia. The second one is a word agape. And there's a significant difference in those two words. And what they mean and how they impact how we understand this verse. And then how it reflects back on the Hebrews passage that we're considering today first he says love one another. he says you you have done such a good job since you have been doing such a good job of loving one another with brotherly love the highest form of human love and as a process or in that process have been purifying your souls is you know what when we choose to love one another there is a cleansing of the soul that happens the Bible says that we are tripartite beings that we are spirits who have a soul clothed in a body. To make this short and sweet, your spirit is that part of you that is the real you, meant to have relationship with God forever. The real you. Your soul is that part of you that is comprised of your intellect, your emotions, your will, your decision-making power. Your body, well, don't need to make too much about that. We kind of understand that. And all three of them are important to God all three aspects of who you are, are important to God Jesus is the only one and his love is the only one that can do anything about the condition of your spirit but I think all of us would be quick to acknowledge that there is stuff that gets clogged up in our souls that also needs to be dealt with have you ever felt as though you just please pardon us but your soul is just constipated. <laughs> you can't feel the way that you long to feel. You're not free to be able to express yourself in the ways that you want to express yourself. That, you, that there are th- choices that you find yourself making that you wish you didn't. There's just stuff clogged up in your soul. Well, this passage says that these guys, that the Christians that, that Peter was writing to in this book, they were, they were dislodging stuff in their soul by loving one another. And can I tell you, it's probably one of the hardest things to do when you don't feel just quite right. You're discouraged or you're frustrated or angry or whatever it is. One of the hardest things to do is turn around and love somebody, to express love towards someone. And yet, every time I do, I find that this there's a, a, a cleansing that happens. Stuff breaks loose in my soul and, and a stream of, of freedom f- begins to flow and course through me. But the point of this is not that. The point of this is the next thing. So, since you guys have been doing such a good job of loving one another with brotherly love and experiencing this this breakthrough, this flow of freshness to your souls as a result of it. He says, now, take it to the next level. Step it up. Agape one another. Now, the, without going to, again into a whole lengthy um, discussion about that, the word agape is a word that the New Testament writers, a Greek word that the New Testament writers have have. Uh, decided to embody with the definition of God's kind of love. Phileo, the best that human beings can do to, in love with, uh, for each other. It's a, it's a high love, but not anything like the love of God. And, and uh, Peter, when he's writing his letter to the church, he says, you guys know what it is to love one another. Keep it up, but take it a step further love one another with unleash the love of God on each other now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13 let brotherly love continue let, the, the the arc of brotherly love leads you somewhere it's not an end in itself let the ark, the development of brotherly love take you to a higher place the kind of love that God has and demonstrates for each other and then what follows in the next few verses um, are some descriptions I believe of what that kind of loving looks like do not forget to entertain strangers verse 2 says for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels be considerate let me catch up on my slides here. So we've talked about being consistent in love for one another. And now we're going to be talking about that uh, the way of love is, a, uh, is filled with consideration. Be considerate. Consider one another. And particularly, it focuses in on strangers. Why is that? Because it's, simple, it's really easy to love people we feel safe with. It's really easy to love people where, where we are pretty confident we're going to get loved back. But the kind of love we're being called to here, the kind of love that that, uh, describes, is a description of a facet of the new and living way that Christ has opened up for us is a love of a higher order, a different order. And it's not afraid to love those who may not love you back. There's an interesting passage in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40 where Jesus says, you know, I'm, there's going to come a day when I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he tells us how he's going to go about that. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats by, uh, on this basis. Did you feed me? Did you clothe me? The sheep did, the goats didn't. The sheep say, wait a minute, or you know, in this illustration, the sheep say, wait a minute, when did we feed you? When did we clothe you? And Jesus said, when you did that to the least of these. When you fed and clothed and reached out to and loved and cared for somebody who was insignificant in your eyes or someone who may have even seemed a threat to you, when you did that, you were doing it to me. Now, I know there's an awful lot, more that could be said and delved into and and uh, taught about that Matthew 25 passage. But it's still really important and significant to take note of that this is big stuff for Jesus. This is big stuff for Him. That we be people who demonstrate His kind of love. Now, I, I can't talk about this without thinking about the people that I encounter on the streets of San Francisco, or sometimes, uh, you know, in other places here in Valle- or in Vallejo where I live, or here in Fairfield, or, you know, that are a challenge to love. People on the street who, you know, want money from me or whatever, and I and I have I just have this hard time. I have this hard time doing what I know Jesus wants me to do. There's this conflict because I know that. I know that the issues they're dealing with money will not solve. I know that the likelihood of them taking my couple of bucks and actually doing something beneficial for themselves with it is pretty slim. And I have all this stuff that goes through my mind. And I'm not saying that we should not be um, responsible, We, we should not be people who you know, can, are, are uh, thinking clearly about how we reach out and help uh, to and re- and help other people. But at the end of the day, it's about my heart. Where is my heart? Am I loving people like God loves them? And the love of God is one that Is not blind or stupid or foolish but is free and lavish God is not afraid to love and I don't want to be either you know it says here to um, don't don't forget to entertain strangers Um, entertain means to uh, love or be or demonstrate kindness towards to to be hospitable towards i 'm wondering to to just bring this home to us right now. Is there anyone in this room who's a stranger to you? Can we obey this today in this room right here? What if you walked up to someone you don't know today and before you left this place invited them to go to lunch with you? Would that be a way to fulfill this passage, this one right here? Would that be a way to demonstrate the love of God? I would say yes. Instead of sticking with your holy huddle... Instead of sitting in the same place every time you come here, so you know you'll be surrounded with, surrounded with the safe people that you already know, what if we went? What if we let brotherly love continue? What if we went to the next level and began to demonstrate love to to God, uh, God's love to those that we, you know, aren't certain of. I think that would honor the Lord. Then in verse uh, 3 it says, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And it's clear from that remark that he's talking about those who have been imprisoned or treat mistreated on the basis of their faith. And he says the reason that we demonstrate love or remember or consider those who are Um, Being mistreated for their faith is because we are bound together with them. We are one with them We are in the same body with them first Corinthians chapter 12 verses 26 and 27 says that we are we are like uh, Members of a human body Some of us are the eyes some of us are the fingers some of us are the toes some of the some of us are the spleens but we're all part of this body and when one part of the body hurts the whole have you ever stubbed your toe? Is it just your toe that hurts? Oh my my dear wife is, is the most wonderful person on the planet, but she has a tendency to leave stuff right in the middle of the floor. And I am often in the middle of the night, oh and it's not just my toe that hurts. I feel it everywhere. <laughs> what, what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying is that this love of God, this agape love that he's calling us towards is a, is a love that understands the connection that we have. We are not isolated and alone. We are connected with one another and when one of us hurts, we, we all hurt. When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. That's what 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. The challenge of that is that we prefer often to let you... I, I would prefer... Out here, all right, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I'll tell on myself. So I got a text last night from Arnie Oliva because their family had discovered that their dog was die, had died dog was dead and he was saying how you know h- how hard it was for their family right now please pray for them and I gotta say I am just I am NOT an animal lover <laughs> I i just I am NOT and so I got this text and I wrote back and I said we'll pray for you and I honestly I had it I heard the Lord say to me, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, all right, so, so I'm a sinner, all right? <laughs> but this was serious to their family. And... um so I, I, I honestly, I had to, I mean, especially, I'm cut, look, I know I'm going to be preaching out of this passage to you. And so I had to do some business with God about that. It's easy for me when somebody is hurting and going through struggle or challenge of various sorts. It's easy for me to kind of, okay, I'll let you have that. But the agape love says, no, no, if you're hurting, then I'm hurting we wade in that into that with them the blessing is that we also share in the joys and the richness that comes to our lives when we choose to stop being disconnected and understand that the love of God unites us and connects us at the deepest dimensions we don't have to be afraid of the challenge that that requires of us sometimes emotionally because the payoff is so great verse 4 marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled but fornicators and adulterers god will judge i i could i could spend all morning on that verse of scripture and i'm tempted to because it gets so misused it's used as a threat to people. It's used and, and that's not the intention here at all. The intention of the writer of the book of Hebrews is to draw attention to this, the intention of him, to draw attention to this issue of commitment is the point. He's saying the kind of love that God wants us to have is one of commitment. And look, I know cuz I've been a pastor a long time. I've had people give me every excuse in the book. You know, why they they are they're, they're they're the one that doesn't have to get married. You know, they're we're we're well, we we we're, we're committed. We don't have the paper and we've not stood before the judge, but oh, we're we're committed. Well, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, well, God'll judge that cuz he knows your heart. And I sometimes I just want to smile because it's like, yeah, we're so deeply committed. But uh, I sure don't want to sign any sort of commitment. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go on record as being committed. Look, I'm I'm not. I don't mean to. I I don't mean to stand in judgment. That that's not the point here. I don't mean to um, ridicule anybody. I, I understand the complexities of of life and relationships and the fears that people have and insecurities and all that kind of stuff. But the point is, the point is, agape love is not afraid to go on record. I love you. That's what agape says. I love you. Period. I will be here. Period. Period. I am committed to you, period. Verse 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We've talked about the way of love as being consistent, considerate, committed, connected committed and now we're going to be talking about how the way of love is content and that's this is so so important the word covetousness here we we have dealt with this uh, many times but this use of the word covetousness or the, the word that's translated covetousness here is a little different it's it's um, I guess probably the most direct definition is money-loving money loving and most of us you know we don't want to be that we don't want to be money-loving but how that stand, how that gets played out is probably better described as miserly or protective You know that we 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 want to hold on to what we have we don't want to risk it being diminished. Whether it's emotional, whether it's material, whatever it is, we, we want to hold on to what we have and we don't want to risk it being diminished. But the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying here the kind of love that God is calling us to, the kind of love that God, that God lavishes on us and is asking us then to lavish on one another is one that is open-handed not afraid of loss because the lord has said i will never leave you or forsake you the lord is my helper i won't be afraid what can man do to me you cannot take anything from me everything that i could ever need or ever want god is to me so i can love you with liberty I don't have to be afraid of you taking anything from me or of me losing anything in the process I can love you lavishly the way of love is one that points us to agape agape loves those who may not love back agape identifies with both the pain and joy of others agape goes on record and agape pours itself out without fear of loss